I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, S.E. Fleenor. The last book I read was an incredible werewolf novel recommended to me by the one and only Danny Lore. The Devourers. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's like trans, gender fluid, gay werewolves in India. I love it. Sounds amazing. And it's been on my queue for the library for 70 years, like ever <laughs> since it came out. I put it on my queue and I'm still waiting on it. So the last book that I read was an audiobook and it was actually a podcast because Scare You to Sleep broke down Turn of the Screw, the old timey novel that kind of served as the inspiration of the haunting of Bly Manor. So it's basically the kind of origin point of that, I guess, a little bit. And it's very old timey and it was really fun to listen to. Today, we have a question from Megan via Twitter. Are there any good comic series I should read created or made by women? I'm also interested to hear and read more LGBT graphic novels and comics, ones that are current and maybe some fan favorites as well. You've come to the right place, Megan! We're so (laughs) pleased to have you join us. Thank you for your question. I'd say first off, uh, you're probably a little newer to the pod because that's kind of like our whole fucking thing (laughs) is we just do queer shit and and feminist shit. Ladies, LGBTQ plus folks, people who are both, that's our whole bag. So if you are new to the pod, go to our website. It's bitchesoncomics.com. We have a tab called where to start slash curated lists. 
go check that out. We have a whole list of episodes that are just conversations with LGBTQ creators of comics about their comics. You know, that list right there, you don't even have to listen to the episodes. You could just take the list and be like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to read everything by Gabby Rivera. I'm going to read everything by Rachel Pollock. And you would be like in such a great place. We hope you will check that out. But we are also, I mean, this is such a fun, broad question. I feel like we have so many things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> there's Luckily, a lot. It feels great, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, actually, that there's so much, you know. That wasn't always the case. I mean, there was always, obviously, women and queer people working in comics, but it used to be a lot more of a rarity and a lot more difficult to be like, hey, go there, 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 and there, and you'll find good, interesting, feminist subject matter comics. It was a lot more rare for a long time than it is today. So it's nice. I'm glad that we have such a wealth around us of new material that we can recommend to you. Yeah, it does feel kind of like a, an embarrassment of riches. And so the list we prepared today is some folks that we've talked about before, some properties, lots of properties we've talked about before, and lots of properties we haven't talked about before, because we tried to really get a good mix of things that are currently coming out at the time of recording and stuff that is older. And everything that we list is going to be either by someone who is a woman someone who is LGBTQ or someone who is both. So we're not going to necessarily like label everyone's identities, yeah. but we will just sort of tell you about the cool stuff that's out there that we're enjoying or have enjoyed. That's sort of the format for today. Dear listeners, get your pencils, get ready. I'm just kidding. We will just describe them and then <laughs> you can listen to the episode again. <laughs> Yeah, as many times as you need to in order to remember the things, because I sometimes have to like pull out a pencil, even just when Essie is talking. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I should remember this book that Essie is telling me about. Vice versa. It's always like that. I think what's cool about the way Sarah and I both read comics is we sort of pull from similar pools and different pools, and then we bring it all together, which I think is what makes this this podcast so, so fun. We both love independent comics. We both love superhero comics. We both love things from the big two. We both love things from other big publishers. And then, like, we love the magic of finding something that's like, what? I didn't even know this existed. Like, Book of Sarah, which we talked about earlier this year, which was, like, I think a very surprising and beautiful graphic novel to enjoy. Hey, there's one for your list right now. Sarah Lightman's Book of Sarah. It's a uh, nonfiction graphic novel about a woman's experience sort of processing what it means to be alive, her Jewishness, grief, relationships. It's really, really powerful. And it's a lot about being an artist and how you evolve over time. So, hey, that was a freebie that's not even on my list. But since I mentioned it, I was like, why not just tell you what it is? <laughs> yeah. And then also we should probably mention that there's stuff like Fun Home or something like that. Like we're not going to talk about stuff that you could read it on any list <laughs> that's like right. great graphic novels, right? But we'll get you some stuff, hopefully, that you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, totally. So, Sarah, where where would you like to start? So, I want to start, I guess, with Emily Carroll because I have just been so impressed by Emily Carroll's work. Emily does a lot of horror comics, and they have a surrealist edge, generally. There's a, a lot of anthropomorphized animal-human hybrids in some of her stories. She did a comic that's called Through the Woods that is a collection of short stories. She did a comic called Beneath the Dead Oak Tree, 
And then more recently did a comic called When I Arrived at the Castle. And all of those comics are very scary, cool, awesome comics. So if you are into horror, I would say that you really couldn't do better. Well, there's a few on this list that will definitely give Emily Carroll's comics a run for their money, for sure. But just kind of a modern genius, honestly. Horror comics sometimes get dismissed in the overall horror canon. Like we usually focus on books and film whenever it comes to horror, but there's a ton of really good horror comics and they're kind of having a resurgence right now. So no better time, honestly, to check it out. And then also you could just go to Emily Carroll's website because there's a few comics on there that... I don't even know if they've been recollected. So there's some pretty unique stuff. And you can just kind of get a little sampling because there's some pretty sweet little stories on there that are also very haunting. Yeah, Emily Carroll is wow. Just wow. Check her out. Sarah actually brought her to my attention and I was just like, damn. I love horror comics. I really like horror in the comic format. A lot of the ones I like are super surreal. And I think there's a cool way you can play with how panels work and and how things connect on the page. And, and Carol is like an exemplar of how that can be done. So I, yeah, cannot recommend her highly enough. Next on the list, I want to put Nubia, Real One. This is actually a fresh 2021 graphic novel. It's about Nubia and her teen years. Nubia, if you don't know, is Wonder Woman's sister-ish. Uh, you know, there's so many reboots of character stories, so do with it what you will. But mm -hmm. Nubia is this badass Black Wonder Woman. She is the Black Wonder Woman. She was the first Black superhero created for the Justice League. And that one is written by L.L. McKinney and illustrated by Robin Smith. Nubia, real one. I think it's just really, really cute, great illustrations. I love the way they represent Nubia's hair and her strength. She's like kind of an awkward kid, but she's like a really loving kid. And, and then she also grapples with a lot of real world racism that is, I think, really important to her story and something that L.L. McKinney's talked a lot about. I have not yet read this comic and I am beyond stoked. So that's one that's definitely on my list right now. So I'm glad that it is as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the X line right now because the X-Men comics have a ton of great queer and women representation right now. There's definitely a few people doing incredible work. You were talking about New Mutants earlier. Yes, yes. Yeah, so New Mutants, great. And there is also X Factor by Leah Williams. And then you you have a list of the creative team, right? Yep. So X Factor, written by Leah Williams, art by David Baldion, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by Joe Caramagna. That comic is just, it's the one where I'm like, this is the most queer of the, like the X-Men comics right now. But it also has some pretty strong competition, which is very unusual for the <laughs> X-Line. I know, it's a really cool time in X-Men X-Comics, right? I understand that the X-Men are like this whole thing and not everybody wants to dive in. But that will be the place to start, I think. And then there's also Excalibur, of course, by Teeny Howard. And and Teeny Howard has been doing this really interesting work with Betsy Braddock and Rogue as well. That's one that's been consistently a bestseller, you know, so yeah. I think a lot of people know about it and even more people should maybe know about it. And it's kind of just one of the best ones. So I would say Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Factor. Those are my favorites. And 
I like a lot of the stuff that's coming out of the X line right now, but those are all really good. Yeah. New Mutants was definitely on my list. That one's written by Vita Ayala, art by Rod Race, letters by Travis Lanham. And then Excalibur is written by Tini Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Corey Petit. I did want to just note on New Mutants, what is particularly cool about this title is that Vida Ayala has been, as a group of a team, responsible for introducing some trans characters that are canonically trans. And one of them who, if you've seen people, you know, really excited about like a little purple person with one big yellow eye, that character is named Kosmar. And people are really excited about Kosmar because Kosmar is a trans mutant. But it's very exciting to see that. There's also Cam. And I know there's another character I'm not thinking, I can't remember the name of, who's also been introduced. So yeah, I think the X line is in very good hands, particularly in these three titles. Another one that we talked about before on an episode, it's never been our comic of the week because we ended up devoting a whole episode to it. But I have to just talk about is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles run. So it's written and drawn by Sophie Campbell, colors by Rhonda Patterson, and letters by Sean Lee. It is so amazing. This is after the bomb is set off that turns a bunch of people who are not mutants into mutants. After that has happened, this is like the city has been walled in. The government, you know, is keeping everybody in. And it's how do the brothers and their ever-widening group of friends and chosen family grapple with life in the city when they can't access outside resources. But also at the same time, for the first time, the brothers can walk the streets and not be hidden and not be stuck at night. And so they get to go like to punk shows and it's just like, oh, it's so cute. Oh God, bless you, Sophie Campbell, bless you. It's incredible and it's so fun. That's another one you put me on. Yeah, I didn't expect to be able to have this much fun. It's so fun. In 2020, (laughs) I was like, especially with the Ninja Turtles, because that's a franchise that's just been around for so long that sometimes it's easy to be like, well, it has to be played out by now. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. This is great. Like, I had a wonderful time. So I want to talk maybe real quick about the journey into mystery focus on Lady Sif that happened Mm -hmm. after the Loki series that everybody loves so much, like the Loki emphasis that was by Karen Gillan, I believe. I mean, that's great. And it's untouchable. It's definitely a masterpiece. Everybody enjoys it. I would highly recommend that series. But after that ended, the series still kept going for about another 10 issues. And writer Catherine Eminen came in and did a Lady Sif story with the artist team of Valerio Schietti. And Jordi Belair does the colors. And actually, we've talked a little bit specifically about the colors. Jordi Belair. Jordi Belair, just in general, who we really enjoy, also did the Vampirilla and Red Sonia series that is incredible. And another series that could very easily (laughs) find its way onto this list. But the art is incredible. The story is incredible. Lady Sif is incredible. And it's a character that just has been so sold short by the Thor franchise overall. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's really been people's intention, but that's been what happens. And of course, if you read back in the OJ, like it's very 
oh, Thor, like all of the time and doesn't really have a personality of her own. This is her as a warrior. So she just gets to kick ass and she teams up with her ex, Bettery Bill. <laughs> and like they have such a fun, weird dynamic with each other and they're very salty exes to each other, which I always love. It's my favorite dynamic. I love the whole thing. And I think that it's one of those underrated superhero comics that it followed up a lot of things. And there were so many interesting things happening in the Thor universe at that time. So I think it just gets really underrated, honestly. And it's so good. So I recommend everybody read that. That's fun. I actually haven't read that one because I I think I did exactly what you said people did, which is like read through the Loki run and then stop. So I just don't think that people really knew that that series was still going after the Loki series because it has kind of a final point, right? Like it kind of tries to wrap it up. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, there's another story after this, though, (laughs) with a totally different character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand why, but also I just wish that that run could have gone for a lot longer because it was so good and the art is so good. Ah, love it. The next I want to put on the list is The Magic Fish by Chung Li Nguyen. It is a very cool YA graphic novel about a young boy named Tien. The fairy tales he and his mother share. It's how part of how the mom is working on her English. She reads the stories to her son at night. But it's also about something special Tien can do that has to do with the stories. It is delightful. It is, again, this is another one of those brand new ones. I think this came out in 2020, but towards the second half of the year for sure. So probably a book that got a little less attention because of the pandemic. So make sure you check it out. Nguyen is an amazing creator who's done a lot of cool shit and also really fun to follow on Twitter. So you can go find Nguyen there. The other ones I wanted to add that we've talked about before, but if you haven't heard the pod, you wouldn't know, are Stephanie Williams's works, which are Living Heroes, But What If Though and Parenthood Activate. Living Heroes is a fan comic about four superheroes as if they were the women from, well, and the dudes from Living Single. And it is adorable. There's also But What If Though and Parenthood Activate, which are two of Steph's web comics. And she had her first piece in Marvel come out it is from Marvel Voices Legacy Number 1. I do not know the, the creative team on that, but I know on a lot of her webcomic work and on Living Heroes, she worked with O'Neill Jones. Those are just super fun. If you like to laugh when you read comics, like Stephanie is the person, a one of the people to follow and make sure that you're just right up on it. I also want to just name it while we've got it here, Monstrous, uh, which is written by Marjorie Liu and art by Sana Takeda. That is just a fucking mind-blowing, epic tale. Some people feel like the storytelling is hard to follow. So it might be like if you're really willing to like put the energy in. I actually found it super fucking easy to follow and really, really beautiful in how it deals with different philosophical matters like guilt and revenge. And, And that's what our whole episode was about, which was really fun. It's dense, but I don't think that it's hard to follow. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the thing, right, is everybody has a different experience. So it's like, yeah, sure. I want to know Mariko and Jillian Tamaki. They don't always work together. They've done a lot of really great work separately, but they also do sometimes do great work together. They are cousins. Mariko Tamaki was the writer of the graphic novel Skim and also that one summer. 
She wrote both of those, and then Jillian Tamaki did the art for them. Jillian Tamaki also did Super Mutant Magic Academy, and they both do just incredible work that I would highly recommend people follow. Tamaki has made kind of a leap into superhero comics and has done Hulk, Supergirl, the Being Super series, which was great. And I think that there was like a Spider-Man Venom miniseries maybe that she did. (laughs) She's done a lot of really fun stuff. Yeah, she's great. She's one of those people who can really easily go from creator-owned introspective stuff to like superhero stuff. And it's really fun either way. Mm, I love that. I think it's so fun when someone does so many different types of of comics and graphic novels because you kind of like you get a different feel for their work when you go between the two of them. Another excellent, excellent creator that has a book that I think just came out around the time of recording, may not even be out, which is My Life in Transition by Julia Kay. She has been doing the Up and Out comic for a very long time. And her first collection from that was The Super Late Bloomer, which was about her early transition and her experience as she started to see the person that she wanted to in the mirror. And and her struggles when she didn't. And then My Life in Transition is now the second edition from that collection. And I think it's going to be really, really stupendous. So always important to support, you know, trans and queer creators. So go pick up My Life in Transition by Julia Kay. You know, mostly we've been talking about stuff that's either currently coming out or recently came out. Older stuff, you can definitely check out anything by Eleanor Davis. She's one of our faves. We've reviewed both The Hard Tomorrow and Why Art on different episodes as our comic of the week. Eleanor Davis has this amazing way of getting to these really difficult to describe issues in people's lives and rendering them with like either humorous or thoughtful or both art that is just really, really nice. So super complex Set in the real world, definitely not superhero stuff, but uh, absolutely important reading, I think. I just remembered that an acquaintance of mine, Annie Murphy, just got finished putting out a book called I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Mm. And a lot of it is about kind of being queer, toxic kind of masculinity as it played out in certain queer scenes in the Pacific Northwest. Just kind of very interesting. And I haven't read the book, but I've been like waiting for it for a long time. I've seen pieces of it as it came along. I think that parts of maybe River Phoenix's story is told in it. I don't have a solid idea, but I think that a lot of it is just what Annie's experience was. And also kind of talking a little bit about how kind of weird Hollywood was towards like young dudes at that time. And also how, you know, the Pacific Northwest had its own issues with all kinds of things that are both good and bad. So I'm going to check that out. It seems like it will very quickly go onto this list as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was going to say, you know, it's in a sense like not to like to directly plug our Patreon. This is what we do on our Patreon is we we identify new works that are coming out by queer creators or that we just like. We don't really create any barriers around that but I've been reviewing a bunch of queer web comics so yeah if you want to look at web comics just go and a bunch of our patreon stuff is also free so even if you come and you're like I can't give you a dollar a month I can't give you ten dollars a month that's fine we still love you go look at our free stuff we've got tons of episodes because we we'd like to make the a, a lot of our stuff free because we want to make sure that the people we're pumping up can share their reviews and quote them and et cetera, et cetera. 
And that's hard to do if it's behind a paywall. So we've got a ton of coverage there. Also, go back through our comics of the week. I was going to list a bunch of them, but I don't think I will. (laughs) Right. Because I think you could just pretty much pick almost any episode we've done. And if it's not written by an LGBTQ creator or a woman, it is something that we think is significant and has really great representation. Our comics of the week are always positive. There's never like a, but watch out for, you know, because that's not what we're here for. I do want to make sure because I am just straight up in love with these two stories. I want to make sure I don't leave them off. One is The Queen of Bad Dreams. That's written by Danny Lore, inks by Jordi Perez, colors by Diarbla Kelly, and letters by Kim McLean. That is like such an amazing comic. We got to talk to Danny a little bit about it, and it comes from this like deep body of work around dreaming. So it's really, really cool. It's like a dream becomes sentient and comes into the real world, but actually turns out Lots of dreams do that. And then they have to figure out, like, do they get to stay? Who gets to stay? Are they going to hurt people? So it's really, really fascinating. Danny is dealing with some incredibly complex topics around borders, around meaning, around what it means to be in a community. Love, 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 love. Queen of bad dreams. Then there's Quarter Killer, which is written by Danny Lore and Vita Ayala, art by Jamie Jones, and letters by Ryan Ferrier. It is... Oh my gosh. Like it is a cyberpunk Robin Hood is sort of like the shorthand for it. But it is about a non-binary lead who calls themselves Quarter Killer and they play video games. They're Robin Hood. They love their mama and they're just the best. There's no way to adequately describe that comic because it brings so many different elements together in such a seamless way. The lettering is out of control amazing. The art is perfect. The story is delightful. And it's just so, it's so hopeful, you know, because it's set in a time when things aren't going great for people who aren't, you know, served by the mainstream. And so you see this community resilience develop and it's just chef's kiss. Can't recommend Quarter Killer highly enough. My last recommendation then in that case will be two as well. And one is SF. S say it because I SFSX. Yes, safe sex. That's what it is basically. Oh fuck, I love safe sex. We love that comic so much, and it's very pro-sex work and very cool and very dystopian and amazing. We talked about it before. We talked to Tina Horn before, and I mean, it's just good stuff. So yeah, you can't get out of this list without bringing up how important that comic is, especially considering, as we mentioned multiple times in the series, sex work is portrayed so badly in comics. And so it's nice and necessary for that comic to exist. Safe Sex, there is a volume two coming. It has been announced. I am so excited. If you want to keep up with it, just Google Tina Horn, go to her website and sign up for her mailing list. And then she's going to be giving like promo stuff out. But volume two is coming. And I'm like so happy to be telling you that. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. 
Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hello there, listeners of Bitches on Comics. I am Tina Horn, the host and producer of the podcast, Why Are People Into That? I'm also the writer slash creator of a comic book series, Safe Sex, because I have to be like a slashy multi-hyphenate in everything I do, apparently. Safe Sex, or SFSX for short, is a very queer science fiction, action-adventure, comic book series, so really relevant to your interests. Since you love Bitches on Comics as much as I do, I feel pretty confident that you're a fan of podcasts where queers discuss sexuality, gender, politics, and creativity. Why are people into that? My podcast is all that and a bag of kinky chips. It's mostly a show about sex, kink, gender, and love, but because it's my show about sex, kink, gender, and love, we've had episodes about vampires and cannibalism and erotic comics and even why reading itself is sexy. Again, all stuff very relevant to your interests. I especially wanted to let you all know that the Safe Sex comic art team is running a Kickstarter this March 15th through April 15th, 2021, where you can pre-order the next book, Safe Sex Terms of Service. 
There's also original risographs, enamel pins, a tier where you can get drawn into a cameo in the book, all that good Kickstarter stuff. You can find that by searching T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N, that's me, or S-F-S-X Terms of Service on Kickstarter. You can find out even more about the Kickstarter and my work at tinahorn.net. Again, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. You can also follow me at Tina Horn's Ass, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N-S-A-S-S, on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow S-F-S-X underscore comic on Instagram and subscribe to Wire People Into That wherever you pod. Thanks for listening to this show. Thanks for checking out my stuff. And I hope that we can get coffee together at the next Comic-Con. See you then. And then, of course, I must always show up to Cape for House of Whispers because that was my favorite. And it's by Nalo Hopkinson and Domo Stanton. And it is great. And it's part of the Sandman universe. So if you're into that kind of world, then you're definitely going to want to check out House of Whispers. There's actually a lot to choose from if you're a Sandman fan. There's G. Willow Wilson on the Dreaming and all kinds of cool stuff. So you have a lot that you can choose from there. But I personally love House of Whispers the best. And that is our incredible sprawling list of not even (laughs) close to all of the material that is out there because there are so so many comic books that are so worth reading that are by queer people that are by women it's so heartwarming because i grew up in a world where it was literally like you were lucky if there was more than one series that was written drawn by men but had a female character or like something yes that didn't get fridged or whatever it was just so sparse whenever i was a kid and it's like right in front of your face how much things have changed as far as there's just been so many creators that have stepped up that you can no longer deny that there's all of these creators right and so i just think it's great and i'm really happy that we could tell you about all of this stuff absolutely and Hey, if you were like, wow, I can't get enough of this. Hey, come back next week. This is what we do. We're going to keep talking about queer creators. We're going to keep talking about women who are creating comics. We're going to keep talking about the intersections of different identities. We're going to keep having cool, different creators on the pod. This is the reason we started it. So thank you so much for your question, Megan. You definitely intuited what we're all about. And also check out our Patreon. You can pay and get access to, I mean, just an obnoxious amount of material. <laughs> Let's retake that. I shouldn't tell people it's obnoxious. <laughs> no, it is obnoxious. Um, <laughs> no, because that's what happens to me, though, is like I get all addicted to all of these podcasts and then I'm like, I got to go to the Patreon. I got to throw in five bucks so I can get all of the extra episodes. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that's like we just have so much material. I think that it's really exciting. And, and again, a lot of it is available for free if you don't have the five bucks to throw in. And then, um, yeah, just keep following us on Twitter and Instagram. We continue to share things that we like from comics. And, yeah, this is, this is us. We'll be here. We'll keep doing this. Thanks, Megan. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to an interlude of the episode what will we say today? We're going to say, hey! 
Thanks for joining us. Would you mind rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast platform? Notably, you can't do it on Spotify, but you know where you can rate and review? Apple Podcasts, something called CastBox, never heard of her, and Podchaser. Rate and review us. Help us find our audience. And even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, you can just click, 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 rate us and review us because we need your love and support to help reach the masses. The comic of the week is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, written by Jordi Belair, illustrated by Dan Mora, colored by Raul Angulo, lettered by Ed Dukeshire, and created by Joss Whedon. Yeah, which is like all over every cover forever, so Ugh. better learn to live with it. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait, did I misread this? Did we, did, were we going to promote something written by that a-hole? No, we're not. This is all Jordi Belair, and damn, Jordi, you know how to make me love the Vampire Slayer like I'm meeting her for the first time. What a great comic. It does feel like kind of just a reimagining where the characters make more sense right off the bat, I guess. Like Willow's dating a girl already. And like, yeah, all of the characters are like a little bit different. Yeah, they're all the same people, but there's a twist on them, right? And they look the same, but they don't look exactly the same. And it's set, I think, contemporarily versus like back in the 90s. So like people have cell phones, which like half the problems in Buffy could be solved by cell phones. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just being honest. Buffy's constantly getting lured away from her friends and then like her friends almost get murdered. And it's like, if you had cell phones, I think you could have handled this. Literally like one of them turned on a computer one time and it almost turned into like a murder case. So like, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about them. The sound of dial-up was like something that was happening in the background of every episode of Buffy, I'm pretty sure. And then oh my God. I just don't think that they were meant to use technology. technology. I think yeah. you're right. This is a Buffy team that can use technology. That's right. It does. So, you know, it's starting with Buffy's arrival in Sunnydale. So it is sort of a, it's not exactly her arrival. It's shortly thereafter. But, you know, she works at a a crappy fast food restaurant, which like I adore because that's some of the best Buffy stuff, I think, despite people not liking season, is that seven? No, six. I think season six is great. But, you know, it's it's her meeting Willow and Xander when there are vampires around. Cordelia's fucking perfect in it. You know, Spike and Drusilla are there from the start. Anya is there from the start. So you've got the cast that is at like at its height all together, but slightly retooled, right? So Drusilla's Drusilla, but Drusilla's the the daddy now, right? Like Spike's not daddy yeah. anymore. Drusilla's daddy. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I like, I like. He was more angelish because he's all like hanging off in the background and being like, I mean, hanging out around a fucking high school, honestly, which is like, Sketcher. you guys got to stop doing that shit. But uh, so Cordelia has a big old crush on him, which is funny. But Cordelia's like really nice. And then she reaches a point where she's just like, you all are so weird. I can't with your weird. And you're like, you know what? That tracks. I can see Cordelia saying that. (laughs) 
Willow's way more confident. Oh, it's so nice. And so, like, you're kind of skipping over some of the stuff that was a little bit grating with Willow, where it was just like, oh, how could Xander ever have a crush on me? Or, like, whatever. And it was like, that was terrible. So, like, I'm glad to forget it. And so (laughs) having a different version where she's kind of confident, she wants to be friends with Buffy, you know, she seeks Buffy out and is like, we are equally cool, you know? Like, there's not really that whole weird thing between them in the beginning. Right. Where like you could never be my friend. Yeah, yeah. She's so perfect. I'm just also Allison Hannigan. You know, like I'm just also a babe or whatever. You know, it just doesn't make that much sense. They don't mess around too much with that dynamic so far. So it's just kind of nice to see Willow as we know her later on, basically. Her girlfriend's name is Rose. Willow and Rose. I could just die. I could just die. They're so cute. They're kissing in the hallway. You're just like, yes, this is my dream for Willow. (laughs) Yeah, Willow. Wow. Good job getting kissed. Like, literally, that doesn't happen for you. (laughs) Yes. Even though you had a girlfriend. Like, yeah, sure, you and Oz kissed a bunch of times. But once you had a girlfriend, you really didn't kiss too much. There's like one kiss or two kisses, maybe Mm -hmm. tops, like in Mm -hmm. that entire series between those two. So it's just like, oh, dang. Well, I guess it's cool for this to be a thing. Because I know whenever I was growing up and watching Buffy, that wasn't a thing. So, uh, cool. They would do magics together. The sensual magics. Sensual (laughs) magic. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, it's called an orgasm. So, like, have fun, (laughs) girls. Uh, But, like... Sometimes I feel like I just am Anya, though. Like, I'll, like, watch it and just be Anya the whole time and be like, what's even the point of lesbians if they don't kill Xander? (laughs) Which is a beautiful segue because I think the single best, most important improvement this book makes on the original is that Xander is treated like the incel he is. Yeah. So you get his, he's actually narrating a lot of it in, in, I think, beyond issue one, maybe also in issue one. So Xander's watching Willow and Rose and being like, whoa, girls, whoa. He's watching Buffy and be like, why doesn't she like me? Why wouldn't she like me? And I don't want to give it away because I really do think you need to read the issues. But that incel mentality, it turns on him. And it results Uh in him making some decisions that I'm like, yes, this is what Xander would do. You know, like, I really do believe this. So I think that's like one of the coolest sort of reboots of it or retoolings of it is that it's the person who showed up on the screen in Buffy shows up on the page without someone trying to like justify it. Yeah. Like they're not trying to be like, he's just horny. You know, he's just young. All teen boys are like this. This and is it's teen just boys. Like, yeah, exactly. They're not. Oh so, like, it's nice that this this narrative really treats him like the incel he is. And I just was like, mm, chef's kiss. Thank you, Jordi Belair. Thank you. And the fact that whenever I watch back Buffy is I'm like, why is Willow just constantly enabling this guy? Which is why I'm like... I don't know about you sometimes, Willow. Like, I feel like you constantly just let this guy get away with stuff. Whereas in this comic, Buffy is going to go on a date with a guy who isn't Xander. And Willow straight up is like, I'm not going to invite Xander then. And like, doesn't make a thing of it and doesn't try to be like, oh, I'll go like be his bed or like whatever. Like, no, she sets it up and then she's like, you two have fun. I'm here with my girlfriend. Xander's not invited. And it's like, that is 
so reasonable and such the right thing to do that I'm surprised that it happened in a Buffy story, right? Totally. (laughs) I actually think she did invite him, but she just didn't care that he didn't show up. Like, she wasn't like, I'm going to ruin my night because this man isn't here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she invite him? But I remember it being like a little bit different, I guess. But then I did just kind of go through and be like, hell yeah, don't invite Xander. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm definitely like confirmation bias on that one. But (laughs) her attitude about it is totally just like Xander cannot handle it. And therefore that is fine. (laughs) Yeah. And she still loves Xander. Like she's not like, I don't care about him. I want him to be in pain. She's just like, I'm not going to change my whole life to make him comfortable. And that's yeah. that's what I think is so frustrating when I watch early seasons of Buffy is you exactly. just see this super powerful young woman who is intelligent, who is thoughtful, who has Wiccan powers she doesn't know yet. So maybe they weren't written in, whatever. But she's the smartest person in her school. And instead of giving a narrative where someone could feel powerful because of that, they make her meek. They make her feel like she's not sexy, like she's not cool, like no one would want her. And this is like, she's powerful. She's sexy. She's cool. Yes, she doubts herself sometimes. There's a moment when she's talking to Rose, her girlfriend about Buffy, and she's like, she's so smart and pretty and cool. And Rose is like, you're so smart and pretty and cool. You can both be so smart and pretty and cool. And it's like, that is the thesis of the difference between this version of Buffy and the TV version. Rose is totally has her head half shaved and like wears a bunch of eyeliner and is just like, you're hot, whatever. (laughs) I'm just like, you're pretty cool. I'm going to smooch you in the hall. Yeah, I feel like um, (laughs) we could only be so lucky as to date a Rose in our teen years. Oh my gosh, I'd be a different human, I think. A totally different person, right? Because she's so exactly what everyone deserves. Like there was even like openness whatsoever around it. Yeah, that would be a thing. But uh, yeah, definitely dating like the supportive goth would have changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I like the way that like some of the power dynamics are flipped, right? Like when we meet Drusilla in the TV show, she's crazy. I'm using scare quotes. And she's so evil and she's so much more evil than Spike who, you know, people love and I get why hey I love Spike too but I love love Drusilla and I love Spike as trying to please his mommy you know like his yeah his dommy as if you will like a sub it, yeah he's great as a sub and it, it's who he is like why does he go after Buffy all the time because he loves to be dominated right <laughs> like and they just they unearth that so much earlier in this narrative which is great and Angel yeah, he's is, like has call me a demon say that I'm useless <laughs> Punch me in the face. And Buffy's like, oh, God, you always make it weird. I was enjoying the sex until this part. You know what? Actually, I mean, I was enjoying beating you up. And then like you made it so weird that I'm just like, are we having sex? I thought I was punching you in the face. First one, then the <laughs> other. Um, Yeah, Buffy's spike face. Why do I love it? I don't know. Complicated. It's also a mess, maybe? Question mark? Uh, yeah, I just think this is this is exactly the the retooling Buffy deserves. And I hope that, you know, whatever new series they work on, I know that their Buffy is going to be black. This Buffy is very much looks like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, I hope they will embrace some of these other characterizations, though, and and really let these women have each other's backs. Like, that is so exciting to see. There's no, there's not even infighting with Cordelia, which is so nice because it's like, yeah, that's one of the things that grates on me so much in the early seasons, too, is like, Cordelia is extremely intelligent, extremely charismatic, extremely Mm -hmm. beautiful, like, 
Those are things Great that don't one-liners. have to make her bad. You know, like, why does that make us mad at her? <laughs> and she's know? honest, like, unlike yes. everybody else. Everybody else is constantly, like, hiding their feelings. And Cordelia gets in shit with everybody just because she says what she thinks. Yeah, she's like, and what? That's like, what you meant? <laughs> yeah, and, like, give me a break. Like, she's kind of the best character in those first few seasons. Yeah, until we get Anya. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. She's good in this as well. Yeah. So make sure you check it out. It is definitely available on Comixology. This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Volume 1, written by Jordi Belair, illustrated by Dan Mora, colored by Raul Angulo, lettered by Ed Dukeshire. So go check it out. I don't think you'll regret it. If you like Buffy, I think you'll find this so refreshing. Yeah, and it's going to be something that kind of lets you relax while you're reading it, as opposed to watching Buffy, where I'm just like, ding, 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 ding. Like, <laughs> I have, like, tension. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> escalating red flags as you go along. Too true, man. We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.